Welcome to the Harney's Offshore Litigation Podcast. And today I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, William Peake. William, you haven't put on the uh, usual background music of the Caribbean Sea gently rolling in the background to show off this time round. Uh, no, Ian, I haven't uh, on this occasion, but I'd like to very much thank you for inviting me on today. It just goes to show <laughs> that it's always worth continuing to scrape the bottom of the barrel as I'm usually... <laughs> Not usually. at all. Your continued rejections of our invitations have been noted and um, being a contributor to the blog and writing well, it's, it's very good to have you on here. And, I mean, you know, what we thought we'd talk about is the sort of background production work that, that goes into the blog, because it's been a tremendous success um, with subscriptions around the world. And it's really bonded um, Harney's litigators together who, who work on it nonstop, round the clock, and particularly creating scoops, as it were, because we are, as, um, as lawyers involved in some of these big cases, that they then the, the legal press want to report about. And they, it's been remarkable how they write to us and ask whether they can republish, reblog, or speak to one of us. Why do you think that is, Will? I mean, wh- where, where has this come from? Wh- where, does, where does the culture of this blog derive from? Well, I think the wonderful thing about this blog, Ian, is that it gives the full Harney's Global Litigation team an opportunity to work together mm. we, in, a, in a much more relaxed environment as opposed to the stresses and complexities of the cross-border litigation that we are doing day in, day out. But the wonderful thing about the blog as well is that it gives junior lawyers in particular an excellent opportunity to hone their drafting skills and to write in a concise and clear fashion. And also Mm. to write with an element of, uh, to make it engaging, make it compelling, make it something that people genuinely want to read. I think there's a number of points that make the blog particularly appealing and, and worth reading is that it's, it's not simply arid case studies. There is the QC corner, there's the 10 minutes with, where we give, give an opportunity for onshore and offshore leading figures to speak to mm. us and for us to learn from them as much, yeah. as, as much as anything. And there are case updates, there's filings, there's offshore litigation news and the like. And I think it works incredibly well. And it is really interesting that you say that, I mean, we are contacted by the media quite regularly about this. Uh, and why is that? It's because we are trying to get this content out if it's urgent as quickly as possible. Mm. I mean, to the extent that, you know, I, I've stopped going through people's bins uh, for uh, exclusive first, <laughs> first-hand experiences. But it is there's there's a healthy there's a healthy competition internally as well as to who who actually has the finger on the pulse who's actually, actually getting this. That's right, and actually the people who who do write these blogs, it's a real tribute to them because it's not easy to draft in this style. I mean, if you look back in in the history of the blog, we've never had a style which was hugely formalistic and legalistic. Mm. Um, it's quite digestible to to commercial people who aren't necessarily lawyers. And I'm, I always love the sort of um, little thing at the end that says, you know, this is a two minute read. So when you click on it, you think, well, I can click on this in confidence. Just about the time the lift arrives on the ground floor, I will have finished that blog, which is a great <laughs> comfort to people who, you know, are inundated with information anyway. And it's quite hard to to write in a style where that the complex can 
can be conveyed so simply. And, and there's there's real beauty in, in some of the drafting, I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. One of the most frustrating elements, though, of actually reviewing these blogs is when one of our talented junior lawyers puts together a blog. And for example, I was doing one for one of our uh, Cayman article clerks during the summer. And I could, as per usual, add no value whatsoever <laughs> to the drafting. And, you know, sure, sure, you know, but I had to make some attempt, give the impression that I actually had reviewed it and tried to mark it up. I made one suggested edit, which the article clerk said, no, I think you're wrong on that, William, because that changes the nuance of the point I was trying to make. With with that, it was approved and sent out the door and received it. Oh, listen, I've, I've had similar insecurities. I think, um, in, I think in, insecurity is to be welcomed and encouraged throughout. <laughs> And actually, it sounds a flippant point, but but one point that's vexed us recently is this how one describes the use of provisional liquidations in Cayman, for example, for, for restructuring purposes, because the case law describes it both as either variously, I should say, as light touch or soft mm. touch. And very respected judges from around the world in many jurisdictions will use both expressions. I have to say, I've taken a real dislike to the idea of soft touch, because in common parlance, soft touch means a pushover, whereas mm. light touch just means skillfully uh, and artfully uh, addressing something. So soft touch to me just seems to send the wrong message. But no one else seems to uh, agree with me on this. It's, it's formed a, quite a point of contention amongst uh, the authors. I, I, I agree with you, Ian, but I think that's I'm sick with a sycophant. But no, I, I do, I do, because I do, I think that the, the that goes actually very neatly with your point about who is actually reading this. What, what is your takeaway if you see the phrase soft touch? I, I think it's yeah. it could be interpreted negatively in terms of is that jurisdiction a soft touch jurisdiction? And I think it is just the common the common parlance point. For example, the, the Sun Chung case, uh, which dealt with a Hong Kong winding up petition which had been served. Then there was the light touch restructuring application in Cayman, which yeah. was successful. The Chief Justice in 33 pages, the actual the summary at the top refers to soft touch. Mm. And as you say, you've got hugely esteemed members of the Absolutely. judiciary using this. And I think that, for example, is an attempt by us <laughs> in, a, in a soft power move to, to try and use light touch repeatedly and introduce mm. that as, a, mm. as an, important, an important concept. It, you know, it, it goes even further than that because the style very much from the beginning has been you know, to remain credible so that people want to read this stuff is to ensure that we are not merely uh, an infomercial for offshore mm. litigation. And we, you know, mm. we don't endorse every single decision. We don't endorse every piece of legislation and say this is the most brilliant legislation the world has ever seen. If It's our job to critique things intelligently mm. and, and say when, when we think things have gone wrong or when whether we think on appeal, actually, that will be changed. And, you know, in a very polite and courteous way, um, we do express those views in the hopes that it gives value to the community and and spurs debate. I mean, people won't thank us for, for being a, a glorified advertisement, really. Mm. And I think, I think as well, the blog, certainly the evolution of the blog, I think shows the maturity as well of our litigation team, actually, because yeah. I think when the blog commenced, we covered cases that only involved Harneys. And we could see yeah. quite quickly that, you know, what, what does that achieve? It adds nothing to the greater debates in terms of what the issues Absolutely. are. And yeah. so that, that's been great to see. And also 
due to the alacrity of uh, jurisdictions like Cayman, like BVI, to follow leading common law cases in England and other Commonwealth authorities, we, we cover those cases as well. We, of course, flag where appropriate. That of course, we don't practice English law, but those mm-hmm. cases will be hugely persuasive in the courts where we do practice. And that also allows us to engage really thoroughly and comprehensively with onshore lawyers who are grappling with these issues on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. And actually, the flip side of that, for example, on the SAD litigation, which I think this is possibly the longest I've gone without mentioning the SAD litigation, so I deserve some sort of an award uh, for, (laughs) for that. That that deals heavily with the illegality doctrine. That has been covered extensively in England recently. There's a recent Supreme Court judgment, uh, Stoffel, on that point. And Mm. it's been fascinating for me because, you know, based in London, spending a huge amount of time in Cayman, that those onshore lawyers want to discuss illegality with me. Mm. And they say, look, we know you poured over this issue. So you're looking at it through both ends of, of the telescope, and that's that's a really nice place to be. Well, it's, it's obviously my fault, Sir Will, for, for not raising the SAR litigation earlier, so, so you could talk about it some more. Uh, no, I mean, I, I think there is a global collective eye roll from all of the hardest <laughs> litigators. That's certainly not true. They, they would have thought they would have thought I was feeling a little bit a little bit off off color if I hadn't have mentioned it. So it's uh, it's good good, good good to get it in. Well, a great piece of litigation, extremely long running and and fascinating. Um, because it's really developed, you know, jurisprudence. And, you know, the reality of all of our litigation is that we are working with teams of lawyers and accountants and valuers uh, from around the world. And that requires a team approach. And if you can share that, you know, the knowledge of how cases develop uh, offshore with them and vice versa, that that just builds those relationships. It really is a sort of escutcheon for for our culture um, and so important to protect, you know, the, the, the quality of it from um, sharing and being um, you know mature about what we cover and, and how we cover it is is a real lasting legacy yeah yeah I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more couldn't agree more uh, there's a fascinating article that's just been released by Edmund King QC at yes. Essex court chambers uh, yeah. where he takes a trot through all of the all of the points that can uh, cause you to lose litigation and uh, <laughs> quite a few quite quite a few of them res- resonated with me uh, given my checkered past but there's, there's an excellent <laughs> there's an there's an excellent point in relation to having a small nimble team will always defeat a complex huge ranging team whereby people can't communicate mm. and the blog mm. is actually a brilliant example of how harney's approaches it's litigation cases because it's small nimble teams communicating properly mm. with each mm. other Mm. And that's how we are efficient, and that's how we get something relevant out so quickly. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned Edmund King QC's article. It was so witty and funny and, and so well-crafted. But, you know, that cooperation between teams isn't easy. And I, I've always said mm. it's the hardest mm. part of the job, you know, li- living in Asia, but but litigating with my colleagues offshore. Um, and we don't always get it right. And in the early years, it was really tough because we didn't have litigators 
uh, out here in, in Asia, in Hong Kong, for example, and finding the right people, finding the right tone, ensuring that everyone's involved mm. and up to mm. speed and, and communicating well with each other, respecting each other. That is years worth of effort. Once you get it in place, though, and you understand that the mechanisms uh, that to achieve that and new joiners, of course, have to be constantly schooled in that culture. It, it is a fabulously strong and, and durable system. But gosh, does it, it takes a lot of work uh, and experience to, to understand how best to deliver it, actually. Yeah. And, and you cannot take for granted each day that you wake up that it'll work. It, it'll have to be constant communication. And, and one of the real challenges that COVID has presented is the remote working space. Previously, if you wanted to you know, deal with an issue, you just pop next door to your colleague and you said, you know, I'm sorry, I'm odd. I have an issue when you say we furnish, it should be we provide. And without, without, without it's these weighty points, Will, that you're so yeah, famous without, for. You know. Without starting... <laughs> without starting world war without starting world war 3 but yes now in the in the remote world suddenly having those conversations is difficult and they That's become a great point they become flashpoints when they absolutely shouldn't be. I'm really pleased with how Harneys has managed to survive and prosper in that orbit of a remote world. Uh, and that is because we actually speak to each other day in, day out. We've actually built lasting bonds between us as a as a network. And that's worked really well. And oddly enough, I mean, the times that I've been working from home and people can see my sort of, you know, my daughter in the background screaming or the you know, things, the chaos of home, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's just it's, nice to have somebody talking sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let me hand over. Um, you know, in those circumstances, actually, it it, it builds uh, something more personal, and people realise, oh, this is just just more than simply a colleague. This is another human being with all mm. the same, you know, highs and exactly. lows that I have in a day, and uh, the same late night calls that I have to do. And that's been bonding, actually, and the discussions of of COVID and how we're all affected differently, but but certainly affected has has in in an odd way brought us closer together even though we can't travel to, to see each other yeah i i, I think it's I, I think it's really interesting that point about people seeing the background of where you're working because mm, mm. it, it introduces a, a vulnerability and an honesty which mm. really reinforces why you want to go the extra mile for your colleague yeah. uh, and and that's what really locks and calcifies those bonds yeah ian it's been absolutely wonderful to have an opportunity to have a truly rambling but interesting conversation uh, with you. Uh, you didn't correct my English once, so thank you. And we can we can deal with those points offline. Thanks very much. Yes. I really appreciate it. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the the weighty case law that you promised me, Will. But uh, it's been <laughs> the the most enjoyable podcast I have done. So thank you very much, and um, stay safe out there. I'll date this in the times of COVID. Hope that you'll join me for another podcast soon. William and I refer to Mr. Edmund King QC during this podcast. The podcast was recorded prior to the very sad passing of Edmund over the Christmas period. Harneys was deeply saddened by this news and sends its sincerest condolences to his family and friends. May he rest in peace.